Glad you guys are here this morning. For those of you who don't know, my name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're glad you're joining us. If you're joining us online, we're glad you joined us this morning as well. Um, we are in a series through the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, paper on a device, Matthew 22 is where we're going to be. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you or on you, don't worry about it. You'll be able to keep up with us as we go through it together. While you're turning there, I got a couple quick announcements for you. The first one is this, is if you've been around for a couple weeks, you've probably heard us talk about the Zero Campaign. And the Zero Campaign is a um, two-month campaign we're doing to raise funds to get us to a place where um, we're on a path in six to nine years to have zero facility costs. Now, for that to happen, we have to do about 60 thousand dollars in work in our uh, modular buildings over here um, to, to make that happen. But we only have to raise 30000 because as we're having this conversation, there's a family in California that doesn't go to this church, never gone to this church, never had anybody, any family who went to this church, and they wanted to um, put fuel to what we're doing, and so they are going to match dollar for dollar uh, the $60,000, uh, up to the $60,000. So, so all we have to raise is $30,000. Now, the awesome thing is that today, we're just like a hair short of hitting our goal so far, just a hair short. So if you haven't um, chosen to give, I, I, I'd encourage you to continue to pray and think about, we got about two weeks until the end of the year. You have till December 31st to, to give to the Zero Campaign. Um, it's gonna be awesome. So uh, th there's that also. Uh, Xmas at MCC is this week. If you don't know, Christmas is on Saturday, so it's a great time to start shopping. Um, it's, if you haven't looked though, it's not a great time to shop on Amazon. Um, I, I was on the other day, I was buying something. It wasn't a gift. Um, my wife did all that shopping months ago. Um, but I, I went to go buy something and it said, it said, this item might arrive before Christmas. It's like Amazon, the eternal optimist. Um, just hoping, right? Um, but Christmas is on Saturday, so we start our Christmas Eve services that we call Xmas at MCC um, on December 23rd, which is Thursday, we're going to have one service at 6 p.m., and then we're going to have two services on the 24th at 3 and 5. Now, we've been talking over the last couple weeks, and I know this is going to be confusing. I'm fully aware that it's going to be confusing this week. But we've been talking about, we've been asking you to RSVP, and, and we want to continue to ask you to RSVP. Today is actually the last day that you can RSVP. Now, here's why you want to RSVP, because... In the room, we just, we only have so many seats, right? We only have so much space. And first of all, we want to make sure that for the people who don't RSVP, the people just show up, there's space for them. But also, we want to make sure that um, you have an opportunity to sit with your family, that you get to sit. Now, that may actually be a motivation for you not to RSVP, is so you don't have to sit with them. But if you RSVP by the end of today, We'll make sure that you have a space for your whole family to sit together um, at Xmas at MCC. It's going to be awesome. And one last ask that I would make of you is that if you can, if you're not bringing someone or if you're bringing someone and it works for your schedule, if you can, if you can try and come to the December 23rd service, um, it's not Christmas Eve, but it's what Jason, um, our worship pastor, he, he calls Christmas Adam because Adam came before Eve, Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what pastors come up with. That's, um, that's what we do. So um, on the 23rd, because 
then it, it leaves more space on the 24th for people to come on the 24th. So we'd love for you to sign up to come on the 23rd. If you don't sign up, you can still show up. You still come. You just are going to have to sit wherever we tell you to sit, which is probably going to be right here in the splash zone. That's what we call it here, the splash zone. So anyways, um, last thing is, last announcement is Rooted. Love for you to get signed up for Rooted. Rooted is the answer if you want to find out how to get connected, plugged in, if you want to learn about your faith or about our faith and you want to kind of go on this journey, Rooted, it starts in January. All those things you can learn more about by texting the word Monmouth to 97,000 and they'll have a menu and you can find information about all those. Okay, Matthew 22, here we are. You got your Bible? Um, We are... In the midst of the final week of Jesus' ministry, uh, Jesus has, throughout his three years, been gaining popularity, but Jesus has come to this point. A lot of times throughout Jesus' ministry, as crowds would begin to gather to him and come towards him, you've seen what it'd say, like Jesus would retreat. He'd turn to his disciples and he'd say, um... Let's go to that other town. And he seemed to be avoiding the, the, the kind of populist um, movement that was gaining behind him. But there comes a point where Jesus turns his face to Jerusalem and he goes right into it. And he goes into Jerusalem in the midst of one of the most tense, dramatic, um, important holy weeks for the Jewish faith. It's called Passover week. And, and, and something changes in Jesus' ministry where instead of avoiding um, uh, this, this kind of populist movement, he, he, he leans into it. And, and Jesus has gained enough energy and enough momentum and enough following that he actually becomes a threat to the other established religious leaders and political leaders. And so in Matthew 21 and 22, we've seen kind of one by one these groups trying to discredit him, trying to kind of make him stumble. They, they just kind of take like um, religious or political or social grenades and they just kind of and just kind of throw it right out in front of Jesus. And, and, and they, they, they give him these questions, and they're hoping to trip him up. They're at least hoping that he'll anger enough people in the crowd that the crowd will become angry. And, and so it begins with the Pharisees and the, the Herodians. The, the, they're they're um, kind of political leaders. Obviously, they're big fans of Herod. That's why they're Herodians. Um, they're, they're disciples, a group called the Sadducees, another group of religious leaders. And, and today we come to a guy um, who Matthew calls a lawyer kind of a religious teacher. He, he, he studied in the law, right? That's what a lawyer does. He studied in the law of the Jewish faith. And so he asked this question. And I think, before I read you the question, I think that we often misunderstand the tension point of the question in Jesus' answer. So, so, so let's look at it. Verse 36 is where we're going we're gonna to start. Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophet. A lot of times when we read that, because we're so disconnected from the Jewish faith, we think that maybe the controversial thing that Jesus just said, because there has to be a controversial part, is what he says right there, right? That you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Here's the deal. There is not a Jewish religious leader that would not say that that's the pinnacle of the law. I mean, what would you say, right? What's the greatest part of the law? 
don't eat pork. Right? You can make idols. You can sacrifice to whoever you want. Just as long as you don't eat pork. Right? As long as you follow the rules, you don't have to have any affection for God, any gratitude to God. You know, God doesn't care. Just as long as you're a moral person. No, 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 no. Every, that's not the question that the lawyer is asking. Every single Jewish leader would have understood that this is the true pinnacle of, of the faith. But, but here's the problem. You can't measure your love for God it's completely, it's completely abstract concept. In fact, in fact, um, even today, you can see this tension today. You've heard it. You've read news stories. Um, you've seen it in other people. Even today, we can claim to do things out of our love for God that can be polar opposites of one another. Different groups, different ideologies, different philosophies, even inside the church and inside individual churches, we can claim I'm doing this as an act of love towards God. The question that they were wrestling with is how do you act, what is the most important way to measure your love for God? Um, if the great goal is love of God, it, there has to be some way that we can say, oh, that person's doing it and that person's not. If you've ever um, done goals, right? If you, you know, January 1st is coming, right? January 1st is coming, and so um, gym memberships are going to go way up, and we're all going to have a goal to get in shape, right? Just like we did last year. Well, actually, probably, probably not last. Last year, we were still early enough in COVID. We were all just okay with being COVID fat. Um, but 2020, right? Before before March of 2020 came, um, we were all like, yeah, this, this is my year, right? How many businesses and organizations had like a 2020 vision, right? Just sounded so poetic. <laughs> Took about three months to unravel, right? But one thing they'll tell you when, when you're writing goals is they have to be measurable. So if the, if the pinnacle of this relationship with God, the most important thing in, 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 in all of your walk with God is loving God, how do you, how do you, what's the most important way that you live that out? And, and in Jesus' day, there were a lot of schools of thoughts, a lot of arguments. Um, there were kind of three big ones, though. One of them said, one of the teachings, and we don't know what the lawyer advocated for, but one of them taught that the, um, the greatest way that you can live out loving God with, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your heart is to adhere to the law of circumcision, to the law of circumcision. I mean, if you think about it, right, it, it takes quite a bit of devotion, especially if you're a convert, to physically mar yourself in your devotion and love for God, to physically alter your body, to declare to the whole world that you're a different people, that you're different, that you've been separated from the rest of the world, that, that you are complete, that you physically, like that is a way you can love God with all of your, your being. So some would say that the greatest tangible way that you can live out loving God is through the law of circumcision, because you see, what, what Jesus is quoting right here in Matthew 22, um, what Jesus is quoting is a thing called the Shema. A every Jew has said this prayer 
many times every single day, many times multiple times a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. They would have said this over and over and over and over again. And so the question is, how do we live that out? And some people would say, through the law of circumcision. It's one of the reasons, if you read through, if you continue to read through scriptures, and you read like in the book of Acts, and you read in Paul's writing, it's why this conversation about circumcision keeps coming up, keeps coming up, and they're wrestling with the role of circumcision in our faith. Because for, for many good Jews, it was the epitome of how you demonstrated your love for God was in circumcision. There's one Hebrew scholar, he's talking about the Shema, this this phrase that Jesus is quoting right out of Deuteronomy 6, and he says, um, a a right way that we could translate this is we could say, um, to love the Lord your God in total commitment with your total person in total excess. Right? I love that. Isn't that good? Love the Lord your God with total commitment of your total person in total excess. And what better way than the law of circumcision? There were, there were others, you know, that was one. There were others that said that um, the, the greatest way that you can love God, that you can d- tangibly demonstrate your love for God is through the, the, the law of sacrifice. This week is in the shadow of Passover, which is this uh, holiday, this holy day that celebrates and festival that remind them that God delivered them out of Egypt. He, he called them out of Egypt. But before he did that, they had to be ransomed, right? And, and the angel of death came over every single house. And those houses who had sacrificed a lamb and smeared the blood over the doorpost, that those people would be saved, would be delivered, would be called out, would be his His people, historians tell us that at the peak of it, there was so much sacrificing going on on the Temple Mount, which is, you know, the mount is the highest point, that the ditches would run red with blood down the streets, right? I mean, what greater way would you demonstrate your love for God than taking your very best and offering it to God? Taking just the perfect best parts and giving it to God to demonstrate total commitment of your total self in total excess. There was a third way. Um, It it sounds a little odd to us, maybe. It sounds way less important, um, but it's really profound and beautiful. And they would say that the greatest way that you demonstrate your love for God was in observance to the law of the Sabbath. Most important thing was the law of the Sabbath. And here's why. If our goal is to give, to love God in total commitment with total self, in total excess, what better way than to cease our striving and cease any attempt at at providing sustenance for ourselves and simply sit and for a whole day to demonstrate and proclaim, God, you are the one who feeds me. You are the one who's sufficient. That even in my very body, I trust you to be life and to be sufficient. This is the backdrop that Jesus has asked the question. And, and Jesus answers the question, and we love the answer he gives. Right? You've heard it. It says this. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the thing. Um, G- the, the, the first phrase that Jesus says is incredibly important and changes the way we read and understand all the rest of Jesus' answer. He says this. This is what I brought the whiteboard out here for. He says this. Um, the second... I want to write it out here because I want you to see, is like, you like that S? That's really bad. Is like it, okay? 
The second is like it. Here's how we read this most time. Jesus says the most important thing is to love God. This, this is how we read it. I'm not saying this is what it says. This is how we read most time we go. Jesus says the most important thing is to love God. And then, like in second place, like the other thing that you should do is something similar, right? Is that, is that not how you read it? I mean, that's how I read it for most of my life, right? The most important thing you can do with your life is to love God. And then with the extra that you have, you should do something similar. Here's the problem with language. Like even words like, like, that's very unhelpful in the English language, mean a lot of different things based on context and culture and all that kind of thing. This Greek word here, though, is, is pretty specific. It's an important word. Um, the word looks like this. Oh, nope, that's not what the word looks like. I wrote it on my notes here. You guys didn't know I had notes there, did you? Well, you do now. Okay, here we go. Homoia. At least that's how we're going to pronounce it today. Homoia. Here, and the root word of homoia is this word. That's a, that's a U with lines above it, in case you're curious. Okay? Which is um, homu. If, you, if you've taken Greek or Latin roots, if you ever did in high school or college or something like that, you, you may know this word. It carries over in the English language. It means uh, we, in the English, we now pronounce it as homo, right? And, and we say that it means, it's, it's a part of a word that means same. Well, in the Greek, it meant this. It meant very much the same. It meant joint or together, okay? And, and it doesn't mean joint as in like my elbow joint or my finger joint. It meant joint as in like connected, right? Joint. Um, but here's, here's the thing that's even cooler that I thought was even more awesome. Um, there, there's a primitive root, which is ama, and it looks like this. And, and the primitive root, um, the primitive root, it, it says, is a marker of simultaneous occurrence, a marker, okay, I'm going to try and write this, okay? Don't, don't hate on me because I can't spell simultaneous. Simultaneous occurrence. I feel like that's not even close. <laughs> Here's what it looked like on my computer. And then I would go, Fix because I don't know how to spell that, okay? This word here, it means, isn't that cool? Simultaneous, that, that the second, you see this? You hear how this changes what Jesus is saying? To love the Lord your God with everything you are, total commitment, total self, in total excess. And the other thing is the same thing. Simultaneous, so, so we translate this, um, this, this word um, to mean of the same kind. You see that? Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. And the other thing you're to do, it's the same thing. To love your neighbors. So, so get this, get this. This, is what, this is the kind of stuff that gets Jesus killed. When you love image bearers, you are loving God. 
When, 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 you, when you love image bearers, you, as you, Jesus says this, right? You've heard it, right? Um, there, there's a time and they say, uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, thank you. That's Sean's translation. Thank you for loving me. And they say, when did we see you? When did we love you? When did we care for you? And, he, and Jesus says this. He says, anytime you did for the least of these, you did unto me. You did to me. You did for me. You did as an act to me. Paul picks this up later. He says, to do our work as unto the Lord, to the Lord. That when we, that, that this is what Jesus is saying, is the greatest way that we tangibly demonstrate our love for God is to love his image bearers. A couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, um, we, we were talking about taxes. Remember that? Weren't you all excited? Um, and they asked the question of Jesus, do we have to pay taxes? And all God's people said, no! No, that's not actually what they said. Um, what Jesus said was to give back, that's an important thing, give back to Caesar what's already Caesar's. You remember that? That, that it's already his. You're not, you're not giving him anything out of your coffers. You're giving him back to Caesar. You give, so, th so there's a way, there, there's a way for you to um, submit yourself in obedience to a governing authority and to, be and to honor and to serve God. In the end, Jesus says this. He says that, um, uh, that you give back what bears the likeness and words, right? And that we're image bearers. And so we give all of ourselves to God, but he doesn't give us an out because there's a way for us to give all of ourselves to God and as part of our act of worship to be faithful in submission to a governing authority. And we did this Venn diagram because we said there are things that a government can ask of you that it is not owed, that are not its to ask of you. And, and, but there is a way for us to be in submission in obedience to a governing authority and still be faithful and in obedience to God. And I, and I put this other circle that week and I said, hey, we're going to come back to it. This is, this is the week to come back to it because Jesus is saying the same thing. That there is a way that when we love others, we are loving God. That when we love others, we are Loving God. A friend of mine, we were talking just a week or two ago, and we were talking about this, and, and, and he said it this one. I thought this was super helpful. He said, um, um, a lot of times when we're talking about a relationship with God, um, we, we visualize it, or we use language that we talk about kind of a vertical relationship, right? Maybe you've heard this before. Um, not that God's like up in the clouds, but it helps us to visualize this kind of God this way, right? And, and this is what our relationship with God looks like. But then we have two distinct relationships. We have our relationship with God, and then we have what we often call horizontal relationships, right? And this, this, this way, right? Vertical and horizontal. And he, here's what he said that I thought was um, really profound and helpful. He, he said, uh, this joint is unbreakable. That joint is unbreakable. And here's what, he, here's what he meant. When we miss the mark on loving others, we will always miss the mark on loving God. That they are inseparable. 
that what Jesus is telling us is the greatest way to tangibly know your love for God is how you love others, how you love his image bearers. I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of us in this room today are joining us online. You feel disconnected and distant from God. And one of the places we should probably check is what do our relationships look like with others? Because Jesus says stuff like this. He says, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. That this relationship that we have and the way that we love and serve others is unalterably connected to our relationship with God. And that often we find ourselves out of place, disjointed in our relationship with God because we're disjointed in the way that we serve and love others. So, so here's, the, here's like the, the hard part about it though, is like, what does it look like to love someone, right? I mean, love is just, I mean, we know this, like love is just this like, it's, it has so little meaning now. It's almost like a made up word, right? Like I love my wife. I love my kids. I love ice cream. Those are all the same type of love. But then I also love like sunny days, right? And I love football and I love water skiing. And, and, and we just, so, so what does it look like? And, and back to this Venn diagram here, there are ways that other people can tell us that, they, that we need to love them that are outside of what God calls us to. There may be people that call you, I mean, this, this, this is where um, abusive relationships occur, is when someone demands you love them in a way that God does not call you to love them. So what is, how, do we, how do we love others well? If our love for God is so inseparably connected with our love for others, it should matter that we know how to love well. Well, Jesus tells us, he says this, I think it's John 14 or might be in John 15, he, he says this, um, love one another as I've loved you. In the same way, in the same way that I've loved you, love one another. And then scripture tells us this, it tells us stuff, I mean, you know this, First John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How did Jesus love us? He loved us the greatest like pinnacle symbol of his love marked for all of human history is his death and resurrection that he gave himself on the cross. So, so here we're going we're gonna to have to have a little um, interaction participation because we need to have some tangible things to walk away with. So, so let me ask you this. I need a couple words. Um, how did God love you? What, what, how would you describe the kind of love that Jesus showed in dying on the cross? Sacrificial. Oh, that's a great one, Ryan. Sacrificial. What's another word? What, what, what did it look like the way that God loved you, Jesus loved you and died on the cross? What did, what did it look like? Humble? Humble? That's a good one. Humble? He humbled himself, Scripture says, even to the point of death on a cross. What's one other? What's one other one? Selfless, unconditional. We're going to take both of those because I love both of those. Selfless and unconditional. Okay, so here's my tension. Here's my problem. I don't know about you. You guys are probably better Christians than me. Here's what Jesus says. He says the most important thing, obviously, is you love God. But the tangible way that you measure that you love God is that you love image bearers that you love your neighbors, which Jesus is everybody, okay? You love everybody. 
And it's inseparably connected, the way that you love others. And the way that he tells us to love others is the same way that he loved us. And the way he loved us was sacrificial, humble, selfless, and unconditional. And I look at the way I love people and I go, oh. I mean, there are some people that this is easy. Just me? Am I the only hateful person in the room? But that list is probably pretty short. That there are a lot of people in my life that this is easy to do most of the time, right? I got a whole list of people. This is really easy to do if I never go on Facebook. Anybody else? I got a whole list of people that this is really easy to do as long as they don't talk. No, just me? I got coworkers. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> uh, but, there's a lot of people this is really easy to do, but, it, but here's the problem. Most of the time, I miserably fail at loving people that way. And here's the spot that's really difficult for me. Is Jesus says that my ability to do that is directly connected to how much I love him. And when I fail to do this well, I'm failing to love him. I, um, I actually, I had a meeting this week. I had a meeting this week and um, uh, it was a bunch of pastors and then it was some other leaders in our community. Um, and it was really awesome. It was this really great meeting. It was, um, it was, it was really good um, and humbling in a lot of ways. But the, the leaders of the community, they, they came and they sat with a bunch of pastors and <laughs> here's, here's, here's what they asked. Um, Hey, um, like our community, there's a lot of people in our community, in our world, but we're, we're really just kind of caring about our community right now. There's a lot of people in our community um, that are just mean. And there's a lot of anger. And there's a lot of division. And there's a lot of bitterness. And there's a lot of hatred towards one another. And there's a lot of like unresolved issues. There's a lot of bullying going on, all these types of things. And, and so, so, so this is what we're asking of you. This is the, I'm not making this up. This, they, they said, um, one, one guy sitting, he was sitting kind of right here in relation to me. And he goes, he goes um, we, we just wanted to know. We just, we just wanted to ask when to come and ask if, you know, as leaders of the community, if, if you join us in this kind of campaign that we're going to have. And, and here's what we'd, 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 we'd really like to ask is, um, maybe over the next couple weeks or a couple months, could you just like tell people to be kind? And I thought, this is what I thought. What do you think I talk about on Sundays? Ladies and gentlemen, here's who we're going to beat up this week. On Tuesday at the park, it's going down, West Side Story style, right? Here, here's... Here's what I've realized, though. Um, we, we only have the capacity to love to the extent that we believe we've been loved. We only have the capacity to show grace to the extent that we believe we've shown grace, to, to be merciful, to be empathetic, to be kind, to be patient, you see, the reason that I miss the mark so often here is because so often I don't believe here. 
The reason I miss the mark on loving people well so often is because if I'm going to be honest on most days, I think that God loves me a certain amount and it's not quite enough. See, church, we, we, we don't need to try to be more loving people. We don't need to discipline ourselves to do random acts of kindness, to, to say please and thank you. All those things are nice and good. But church, what, what, we, what we need to understand is the depths with which we've been loved. Because you see, a lot of us think that we've been loved little, so we love little. We've been forgiven a little, like Jesus just kind of helped us get over the hump. We've been, loved, we've been forgiven little, and so we forgive little. We've been shown grace little, so we show grace little. But, but here's what Scripture says. While we were yet sinners, while we were busted and broken and alone and messed up, and while we are today, <laughs> isn't that good news? Like every single one of us is a busted mess. Did you know that? That's good news. That in all the mess, even in those spots, because here, here's where the rubber meets the road for most of us. Most of us think that God loves the good parts of us. And most of what we show people are the good parts of us. The parts we post on Instagram, the good parts of us. The parts we show in public, the good parts of us. But the parts that God loves us is the wickedness in us. All the way down in the depths of the most broken part of our soul. That little place that only you know about. And that God loves all the rest of you, but that little space. But there's this verse. It's probably one of my favorite verses. Probably one of my favorite verses because I need to remind myself of it over and over and over again. It says this, he who gave his own son for you, what more will he not give for you? He who loved you to the point of the cross, to death, giving all of himself. You see, you remember the Shema? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That Hebrew scholar, I love the way he said it. Love the Lord your God with total commitment of total self in total excess. Every single time we read those words, we say those words, it should remind us of our complete ineptness at it just like how incapable we are of loving God with total commitment, with total self and total excess. But the good news of the gospel is that there is one who's loved you that way. That in Jesus, there is one who has loved you with total commitment, with total self to absolute and total excess. And church, the greater we understand the depth of God's love for us, the greater we will have the capacity to love, the greater we'll have the capacity to love our God who has saved us by his mighty hand and bought us back from the depths of hell and given us new life and redeemed and restored all that was broken in us. To love him well and to love image bearers in this world. So my prayer for us this week, my prayer for us this week has not been that we would be a more loving people but instead that we would be a people who would more fully know the depths with which we've been loved because that, that'll change everything.